the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the College Basketball Conference Tournament Betting Preview Part 5. I'm Stucky, and joining me for this one, very special guest. You're probably familiar with him, Mr. Matty Cox. What's going on, brother? I'm good, Stuck. How are you, sir? Uh, excited. You know, we a little bit of a lull coming up. Talked about that with... Uh, Kai, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we have some championships, so it'll be fun. But then, I mean, Wednesday to Sunday is just going to be It's much needed, and- honestly. It really is. It's like to, to reset the batteries before the uh, the marathon. Well, I guess it's a bunch of sprints within the marathon that is the mid-March to end of March run. So, yeah, dial in, folks. Yeah, it'll be nice to exhale. Um, we, on this episode, we are going, yeah, so we just did, I just did with Kai, we covered the Big West, the WAC, the Big 12, the Pac-12. Today, we're going to cover the ACC. We are going to cover the MAAC and the Big Sky. Those are the three that we're going to cover today. But before we dive in, biggest takeaway from the weekend that was? Yeah, I mean, the whole Duke thing, obviously, right? I feel like I'm just reaching for low-hanging fruit. But uh, we're going to talk about the ACC tournament here in a bit, I would assume. So it, what does that mean for Duke, right? Like, I kind of think from a look at that terrible loss at home with with all the hoopla that was surrounding the coach k thing and the unc angle to it i kind of think it reinvigorates them so i i think it's like the best thing to happen to duke within the context of like an acc tournament future bet but we'll see the, the price isn't great but we'll talk more about that i assume when we get into it yep yeah that was just uh, a stunning win uh for carolina we'll talk about if what that means for them are you more optimistic on their chances it's definitely a down year in the acc why don't we just start right there? We'll just get right into it. Uh, the ACC tournament, March 8th through the 12th at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. 15 teams will compete. Duke, Miami, North Carolina, and Notre Dame get double buys. The defending champ is Georgia Tech, a four seed. Five of the last 10 have been three seeds or lower. The lowest, I'll ask you a trivia question. Do you know the lowest seed to win the ACC conference tournament? Like seven? Six, 2004 yeah, Maryland, wild. who was not going to get in the tournament if they didn't win it. Um, I think they were oh, like seven right, yeah. and nine in the ACC. They had a 2017 Duke was a five seed. That was the second lowest. Pretty amazing that Georgia Tech is the defending champ. They were a four seed. How funny are some of these? You have Georgia Tech, Georgetown, Oregon State are some of these defending champs. They're like, yeah, have absolutely no chance uh, of winning. You rarely see that. Yeah, last year was a weird year. So, Duke's the favorite. And by the way, Georgia Tech's 150 to 1. Don't bet them. Uh, yeah, Duke don't. is at <laughs> minus 130. They're the favorite. UNC 8 to 1. Wake 10 to 1. Virginia Tech 10 to 1. Notre Dame 10 to 1. Miami 11 to 1. UVA 18 to 1. Cuse 50 to 1. I bet there's going to be more futures on Cuse than any other team. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, too. Yep, I agree. That's going to, that has and, to be like, I'm curious where the tickets shake out, but Cuse, everyone and their mother's going to bet Cuse here. Yeah. 
And then, you know, you get down to Florida State, 60 to 1, Clemson, 80 to 1, NC State, 100 to 1. And, you know, the, the ACC was just, it was a very down year in the conference. And there were just so many teams didn't live up to expectations. Some of that was due to injuries. You know, Cuse has suffered some injuries. Florida State has suffered some injuries. Clemson dealt with some injuries. Yep. NC State has just not lived up to any of its expectations. Georgia Tech, a ton of injuries. So just across the board, you had a lot of kind of suffering teams throughout the year. When you first look at this bracket, what sticks out? Yeah, you're right. Like I was just starting with those first round matchups and teams littered with just multiple injury detonations, roster hemorrhaging, as we've seen Clemson, NC State, that first round matchup, Louisville, G-Tech. Um, I mean, I don't know why you'd bet into those games. I mean, that just feels like the two of the biggest whack-a-mole games that, that possibly exist. And then obviously any game involving Pitt is a who the heck knows what you're getting. From a futures perspective, the two I like the best, although I don't love them, to be honest, is Virginia Tech and Virginia, both the Virginia schools. Um for the predominant reason being they both avoid Duke's side of the bracket. They're on the bottom half with Notre Dame lurking for Virginia Tech if they win that first game. And then Virginia um, with the matchup against UNC if they win their first game, who I think is going to be a good fade potentially in that quarterfinals coming off the Duke win. Um, but, I mean, the price isn't great. Uh, plus 1700 plus uh, for Virginia, plus 1100 for Tech. It's sort of a tournament where you look at all the randomness that could occur and that should induce excitement to bet you know, with the high variance environment, but, but really, man, nothing feels strong for me from a future. Do you like anything here? Yeah, I, I personally was, and we didn't even mention Louisville, all, all everything that they've dealt with. And yeah, uh, right. Exactly. You know, is, is Williams going to play? Is he not? Or did they quit? Did they have Does it? he care? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you could, you could cross off all those teams to, you know, 10 through 14. Um, yep, they're not winning this. So they would have to win five games in five days. So, yeah, I think that, you know, could Duke – the problem is Florida State is just decimated. And Syracuse, you know, some of their injuries in the interior have – and that defense is just not the same. And they no. got destroyed by Duke in both games. Now you're going to have to play angry Duke off that Carolina loss. So I yeah. kind of just cross off both the eight and nine here, Florida State and Syracuse. Agree. Um, if you're a Syracuse fan or you want to have fun, sure. To throw some pocket change on it. D- but, uh, Duke is like – Duke is built to – destroy cues like the way yeah. those like just what they're shooting and with those like you know, Ben Carroll kind of being a trigger man I think they roll cues for the third consecutive time this season so yeah I would not touch cues this is like the one year where I think cues does not have value yeah and Florida State's playing a little better um of like yeah. beat Notre Dame to close the year I mean they so they, they could beat Syracuse is what I'm saying so yeah so then I go down you know Wake Forest Miami um I think that they're probably priced right Miami did beat Duke, Duke, yeah, and Wake Forest yeah. came close. So, yeah, I think that, you know, with Duke losing to Carolina here, they're clearly the best team overall in the conference. Um, I'm avoiding the top half of the bracket. So I think the, the focus is on the bottom half, as you alluded to. And, you know, if you look at bracket matrix right now, like Duke is safely in, they're like a two. And then it's like Wake, Carolina. I think Carolina is yeah. now safely in, but they're te- projected as tens. Miami right. they're projected as 11s. Like you're getting – Bunch of bubble teams here. Yeah. Very dicey. And then you have Virginia Tech, which is really close. And then Virginia, which is probably has to win it or go on a deep run. And they probably got to get to the final. But these games are going to mean a lot to Virginia and Virginia Tech. But they're, I mean, Carolina and Notre Dame, it's not like they're safely in. But I do think that North Carolina might be a little bit of a lull. You're playing Virginia after that Duke win. So can Virginia 
kind of catch Carolina sleeping and then open up the bottom half of that bracket. You know, because I do think Virginia Tech can beat Notre Dame. The team yep, could shoot the lights out. And that's kind of what you want with a dog. I wish the price was a little better, but that's the team that I had circled across the board was Virginia Tech. I don't hate Virginia either because they're kind of based on each other. Like I think Virginia Tech, you know, you're kind of hoping that Carolina gets knocked out by Virginia. So there's some correlation there. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I have the same two circled as you. It's the two Virginia schools uh, in desperation mode outside of the Duke half the bracket. And then, you know, like Virginia Tech's playing Clemson and NC State. Virginia's playing Louisville or Georgia Tech. I just don't see really big upset potential um, in that first game, which helps. They still would have to win four games in four days. Yeah, that's um, the issue with Virginia schools, right? Like you kind of want to – we just talked about how it's important to want to focus on the higher seed just because of the way the bracket's set up. It's just tough to win four games in four days, even if you're coming out of that second round, uh, which kind of goes back to maybe Duke's actually the best bet here. Um, I don't know. I've gone – I've waffled. Clearly, there's no strong bets here for me in this field. It's worth mentioning that I looked at the splits the last – uh, six years favorites are 41 and 29 with a 1.5 average cover margin in this tournament. So I think it kind of shows how the, uh, the back-to-backs, the back-to-back-to-backs uh, take a toll as you advance later in this, in this field and you get a pretty strong edge, not priced into the markets for the favorites. Yeah. And Virginia, if you look at Virginia, I mean, if Virginia, if Virginia does get to Virginia tech, uh, you know, the game's going to be like 54, 53. Um, yeah. And that's just how it's going to be when those two teams play. Virginia has no bench whatsoever. The 351st in bench minutes, but they play at the slowest tempo in the country, which helps, right? Limited possessions. They're not going up and down the court. So that helps a little bit. Virginia it's Tech, kind of, yeah. same thing. No bench play really slow. So they're, you know, limiting possessions. Um, it'll still be tough, but it's not like it's a team – you know, like uh, a St. John's, it's, you know, just your legs might give out. Still might, but it helps that they play so slow. And Cuse has that formula too, right? And that's how Bayheim's been able to make a killing in March despite not having a deep bench, right? I think the zone, the way they play allows you to conserve legs and it sort of diminishes the importance of depth, especially in this in this field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Virginia Tech, well, the top five in the country in three-point shooting, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. So yeah, that's, that's one thing that I do like about them here. Um, it's odd because Virginia, you know, like back going back to Cuse first, you mentioned tourney setting success. That's why a lot of people are going to fall in love with Cuse and the whole narrative, like Cuse just finds a way to get into the tournament. This is their only path, but part of the reason they've had success in tournament settings, specifically in the NCAA tournament, when you're, when teams are playing them that aren't familiar with their defensive scheme is that quick turnarounds, not familiar with the zone, but this zone is just not, anything to write no, home about it it's, it's not a downy soft zone. zone so it's not yeah. like that's working in their favor here um now thoughts on overall thoughts on carolina who's a really tough team to figure out but they closed the year strong I mean, they had to be they had to go to overtime against syracuse you know, they didn't look great against louisville and nc state but they have one they won at virginia tech it's just a really inconsistent team they lost a pit at home the game before that but they did close the year with five straight wins, including a huge road win at Duke. Is this a team that you think has potential to make a run uh, in March? Have you have you kind of changed your tune on them based on Saturday? Or you think that was just like one game, weird circumstances, like all the hype and that worked, maybe that worked against Duke? What are your thoughts on the Heels? I gave them partial credit 
Um, so maybe it's my Duke homerism speaking through the the airwaves there. But it's very I, big of you. Very big yeah, of thank you. you. I'm the bigger. The I'm, I'm, I'm the bigger man here. Um, but yeah, hey, Tar Heel fans, I, your team's legit. Like we've been waiting to see it all season. The question is, can you defend at a high level consistently? That's been the whole bugaboo. And we've seen stretches again. I think there's been lulls within that last five game um, winning streak. I think they've been aided by some favorable shooting luck there, but it's a team that can defend, right? Like it's not a very physical team or an overly athletic team, but it's athletic enough. It's long enough with guys like, uh, you know, with leaky black. And I mean, they have pieces to defend and, uh, and get key stops when they have to. So, yeah. And also look back at the historicals, UNC 12 and four against the spread in this tournament, the last six years. So um, I know it's a new coach. I don't like looking a lot at those historicals with a new regime in place, but, uh, but I think worth noting that this team just UNC typically and Duke too plays very well here. Uh, the SEC tournament. Wasn't there the whole narrative though, for a while that like what Roy Williams doesn't care about the ACC tournament. That's what I thought too. But like his splits are, have been good the last few years. Um, like it used yeah. to be called the, uh, I think Duke fans potentially called the Duke invitational for a while, but um, I mean, they've been good. I think they're eight and five last six years, strong cover margin. So yeah, I mean, coach K I think has a good feel for how to maneuver this type of tournament. Same with Jimmy Beheim, right? I mean, he's, we just talked about why they've been so good, but Without Jesse Edwards and, and Benny Williams up front, I think that's that's a hard stay away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carolina just forces absolutely no turnovers whatsoever, so teams aren't going to cough it up. But they don't foul. That's, those two things kind of go hand in hand. And they're going to clean up your misses. So if you're their second in the nation in defensive rebounding percentage, so if you're having an off day, it's going to be tough sledding. Against they make Carolina you beat them. They're gonna yeah, they make yeah. you beat them. I think that's, you know somewhat admirable, right? It's sometimes a little bit too soft, a little too, they give you too much, but I mean, I think yep. that's a, at least it's a repeatable blueprint, I guess, defensively. Yep. Yeah. Still questions on the perimeter. Um, yeah. Do you have a, a target? One of these, I mean, the first round games are, are disgusting and a lot of uncertainty pit BC, Clemson, NC state, Louisville, Georgia tech. Do you have anything there or do you have a potential, you know, we also have Florida state Syracuse, which is a second round game on Wednesday. Do you have a, a matchup that you might, be circling from a betting perspective or a potential matchup down the line. Is it Virginia tech against Notre Dame? Um, is it somewhere else? What, what are your thoughts there? No, I'm with you. I don't really have a great feel for the sides here. I, what I do like is I might blindly bet all of these first round totals um, since 2016, 42 and 30 to the over in the ACC tournament. But you look at 2018, the last time this was held in Barclays, uh, a venue, I feel like we may not associate with like being a, a shooter's paradise, right? It's like a more of a cavernous NBA type arena, but it's in, t- in 2018 though, nine and five to the over with a whopping seven point average uh, cover margin to the over. Um, I know a lot of these teams play well for like buying into that dynamic. I think there's a lot of good over teams in that first matchup. We've seen these first round overs play well so far in conference tournaments. So that's kind of my angle there. I have no feel like you on the sides. I'll probably just do a small sprinkle on all of those. Like I said, those opening round, um, and then the first round overs into Wednesday, uh, excluding the back-to-back. So just Florida State, Syracuse on Wednesday, and then those three first round on Tuesday. Yeah, Louisville's they're they're hard to feel like. Which who's going to show up? Uh, who's going to play? Who's going to not be dressed? And um, I, I might dig in some to Clemson, NC State. I, I don't. I mean, maybe this is a fresh start for NC State, and they can. I don't know. Think that they could make win a couple games. I mean, if they beat Clemson, you know, if you beat Clemson, it's not impossible. They can't play. If they beat Virginia Tech and then Notre Dame. The problem is the team just it just doesn't defend. Um, no, it doesn't. I watch yeah. NC State. I mean, man, they are absolutely miserable defensively. Um, they also had a just a massive injury uh, early in the season. 
losing Manny Bates. And I think that just changed the complexion of that team throughout. But uh, yeah, the, no offense is, is, the offense is, can score, um, but the, the defense is uh, impoverished, to say the least. But I might dig into that one. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that from a futures perspective, it's Virginia Tech or Virginia. If you want to grind it out with Virginia, um, God, look, they beat Duke. They played Duke tough twice they're going to be in like the, the two things that like these are going to be low possession games virginia tech shoots a lot of threes they're going to be in every game um which you like and they're going to be desperate they're well coached so and they're in the bottom half of the duke so if you want to go both i say go for it if you like if you prefer one to the other um then take a shot i think that's where the value is not not them i was hoping for a little better lines but um yeah i, I agree the, the prices best, here didn't stick out i'm with you they're, they're not great prices but i think those are the two best that are available yep all right um let's move on to the matt tournament the metro atlantic the this will take place march 8th through 12th in atlantic city new jersey at boardwalk call defending champ iona you said the acc duke fans used to call it the ACC tournament, the Duke Invitational. Well, this is the Iona Invitational. They have won it five straight years. They were a nine seed last year. They've also been a one, a four, a three, and a two. Uh, so they've done it from all, all seeds. They will be a one seed this year. All 11 teams make it. Top five teams get a bye. That's Iona, Peters, Siena, Monmouth, and Niagara. There'll be three first-round games. Uh, the, as far as odds for this tournament, Iona – favorite plus 115 St. Peter's was kind of surging. Um, they're deep. They're excellent defense offense can get questionable times, but in Defo and, and company, they can defend. They've won four straight Monmouth. They're plus 500 Peters is plus 380 Monmouth. I they were a covering machine earlier in the year. They dealt with some COVID. They just haven't been right since they've lost uh, a bunch down the stretch. They don't have a bench. They're very experienced, but I, I just worry about what I've seen from that team of late. A lot of head scratching, performances maybe this is the fresh start that they need then it goes marist um you know they have a bench and uh, atuka their freshman point guard is fun to watch sienna uh i just don't trust their other 20 to 1 marist is 15 to 1 niagara 20 to 1 fairfield 20 to 1 uh and then you're getting down into some real long shots the interesting part about iona here is they lost three games in the league play all year all on the road they lost to manhattan niagara and sienna that could actually be their path to yep. the title Yep. Um, which is which is something to keep in mind. But when you first uh, look at this bracket, is it just as simple as every year and then just take Iona plus 115? Or is there some yeah. resistance here and potential value somewhere else? Uh, yeah, you kind of have to look at this Iona versus the field. Um, and yeah, I kind of think Iona minus 110 is a pretty cheap price. That's my favorite bet of the bunch. But you talked about Mammoth. I think this is a prime time reset hit the, you know, let's, let's have a whole new, you know, reinvigorated mindset after that tough stretch coming out of the COVID pause. King Rice was just like, man, I don't know what the hell happened. We were a juggernaut before we come back from break and they've had flashes, you know, the latter part of the second half. They also had a couple of injuries there with Shavar Reynolds, I think Walker uh, Miller um, up front there. So I, I think they're primed to break out and I think we're primed to see the version that was so dominant in non-conference. I think they're one of the best non-con ATS teams in the country there for the first seven or so weeks. They covered um, like 14 in a row to start the year. So. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. And I mean, this team is, I mean, uber talented. The key thing that they're going to probably, um, from a personal perspective, key thing to watch is Nikki Rudy should be back. He's a really important defender for them. He did not play in the finale. 
Yeah, I think they were um, just resting him. Just resting him. It was a kind of minor ankle thing. Uh, all the Monmouth fans like rave about how important he means to that defense. So getting him back is a sneaky big part of this handicap for me. But again, similar to the Virginia, Virginia Tech narrative we talked about the ACC, I don't think Monmouth plus 500 especially on the same side of the bracket as Iona is, is a great price. So, um, yeah, well, especially with how inconsistent they've been, they're going to have, they're going to have to win three games, you know, three games in three days because they play on the Thursday. Iona That's plays a good on point. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's not a given that they'll beat Niagara with the way that they've been playing. So you, you might end up having more value on a money line rollover with Mon. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Agree. And then leave you some flexibility. And then the problem with doing that though, is that, it would probably not work out. This would be after the value when doing a money line rollover. Is if you're really confident that Iona is going to win, then it's going to make sense. Um, but if like Manhattan knocks off Iona, then all of a sudden Monmouth's playing Manhattan in the semis, then your money line rollover probably doesn't make sense. And you probably yeah, exactly. five to one. Right. But I think Iona's probably safe to get through there against Manhattan or Ryder. Um, you know, down in the bottom half of the bracket, Peters is plus 380 overall. They're the two seed that said they won four straight. An excellent defense. I think top 40 yes. overall in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, um, you know, with Casey the anchor in the middle. They cannot shoot. Their offense is just ugly to watch at times, but they do grab just a ton of offensive boards. That's kind of how they live on the offensive end. They just try to – and then just suffocate you on the defensive end and pull out wins. Defense has been playing uh, a lot better of late. I just don't know if they can get enough stops on Iona if they do meet. Um, but I, you know, cause Iona's going to score some, and I just don't think that, I just don't think that they can keep up after watching both regular season meetings that Iona won. But right. if you think that Iona is a little vulnerable, maybe Peters is the look, but you know, there's, there's some tricky teams in the bottom half. I, I think I would need more than plus three eighty. Uh, when I evaluated this conference before this podcast, I, I had Iona circle too. I, I will be on Iona plus one fifteen. I think that they should actually be uh, a slight favorite. Yeah, FanDuel has them at minus 110, DraftKings plus 115. So, yeah, you can line shop and get them plus money. I think that's the right play. Yeah, but do you, do you just not trust the St. Peter's defense? Um, can Marist or yeah, any of these teams in the bottom half make a run? Or they just uh, – I think they, they're all flawed on their own right. Um, yeah, and just, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. But do you, are, are you, have you become more of a fan of Peter's during their late season kind of – little bit of a surge? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, really, the way the conference struck out was pretty in lockstep with what a lot of us had preseason, right? I think we looked at this conference beginning of the year, which I think is relevant context for conference tournament assessment. Just typically, I like to look at teams that underachieved. Um, I mean, just how many bad teams have we seen cover multiple games in a row in these early conference tournaments, like the Little Rocks of the world? Uh, so, like, you look at a team like maybe Canisius at uh, the bottom part of the bracket. Uh, but, again, there really wasn't any, like, bad, bad teams in this conference. Like we saw teams that looked terrible to start kind of improve late teams that looked a little too hot, fluky to start kind of throw Maris maybe in there. Although they, you know, they, they a lot finished of inconsistency in this conference. Just, this conference right. has to be the, the highest rating of like, if you had to rate inconsistency uh, on all the conferences, it's like, yes, agree. What are you getting on a night in basis? It's crazy. Um, it's so right. And that, again, that tends to be a good environment for betting these futures. But I look at these prices. I just don't love, you, you can right talk me maybe into Monmouth at a, I see plus six fifty at FanDuel right now. But again, just on the same side as Iona, I'm not a, uh, not a fan of that. And three games in three days with no bench. Um, yep. Which is yep. an ideal, but they're very, I mean, they're a very experienced team. You've seen it. It's not four or five games in four or five days, but it's something worth noting. 
Um, I agree. I think Iona is the play here. And if you, if like, I, I just came to you with uh, a gun and said, you have to bet either all favorites or all underdogs for this entire tournament. You're, you're saying underdogs, right? That's underdogs. Yeah. Look. No, that's like kind of our whole, I think this year we basically said any road dog in this conference, just, just bet it. And that's usually a pretty good take because yeah. home court's basically nothing. Although that's my moot point because it's now Atlantic city, but still, yeah, the dogs play well in a high variance environment. Yep. All right, let's move on to our final conference that we'll cover today, and that's the Big Sky Tournament, which will take place March 9th through the 12th in Boise, Idaho. The defending champ, Eastern Washington, the Groves Show. Uh, if you that's remember right. that from last year, when then they went on and uh, gave Kansas a, a hell of a game. 11 teams make this conference tournament. Uh, five get a bye. Montana State, who's the overall one seed, Montana. Southern Utah, Weber, and Northern Colorado. Mont- Here's a, another trivia question for you. Montana, 11 titles, the most of all time, in Big Sky Conference Tournament Championships. Weber, the second most with 10. I think for years there was always just Weber versus Montana. Yeah, It's a shame right. that when uh, Damian Lillard was there, he just never yeah. could beat Montana and never got in the tournament, which we all were robbed of. By the way, the last non – I think the last non-one seed or the last non-one or two seed to win was Montana. <laughs> In 2010, I think there were four. I mean, this conference has been dominated by the top seeds, but it's a little more balanced. I mean, Montana and East and yeah, Montana and Weber used to be just like head and shoulders yes. above everyone yep. else. Yeah, always get to the conference. so it's it's not the same here. But um, who? So Montana has 11. Yep. Weber has 10. Two teams are tied with four Big Sky Conference Tournament championships. Can you name one? I bet Idaho is one of them. Idaho is one. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. Let the ding. Once upon a time, this team was not so terrible. I guess they haven't been so terrible this year, but uh, they've been a frustrating bet for me the last two seasons. I think I've lost more money on Idaho games than any other team. So kind of a tough. They're called the the Vandals for a reason. Um, That's right. Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this conference had a little bit of craziness too. Um, Little just on a night in and night out basis. I mean, Idaho beat Montana, Weber, and Eastern Washington in back to back to back games recently. Right. Just to throw that out there. But the other. The other team with four, you want to take a guess? You'll never get it, but. Northern Arizona? No, I have no idea. Boise State has four Big Sky Conference. Oh, wow. Uh, Ironically, so that's, where this, uh, that's where this field is, right? Is Boise for the. Yes. I think it's the uh, fourth year in a row. Yeah, it's in, uh, it's fifth in year? Boise. Yeah. But, um, all right, so let's take a look at the odds here. Montana State plus 190. Very balanced team, well coached. I think we're both a, a fan of Sprinkle. Yes, yeah, um, great. They're plus 190, Southern Utah plus 350, Weber plus 410, Northern Colorado plus 550, Montana 10 to 1, Eastern Washington 10 to 1. Then you start getting down into the dregs. Portland State 48 to 1. You know, they play fast. They, they have a, a bench. They try to turn you over. A lot of the teams at the top don't have turnover issues, which kind of works against Portland State here. Um, it's interesting that so you, Northern Colorado actually, you know, they're plus 550. They swept Southern Utah in the regular season, 195 and 91 yep. 81. Yep. Get those scores in your mind because Northern Colorado, all offense, no defense. They want to play fast and they can outscore you. Although they just lost at the buzzer to the Montana State backups to close the year. But yeah, they can't tough. defend anyone, not even, not even backups. Um, and then Southern Utah swept Eastern Washington. Uh, the key with Southern Utah here, though, really good offense also. But Jones and Marin, what is their status? Um, yes. Yep. Uh, so they have injury issues as well. And then you go to the top half of the bracket with Montana State. Southern Utah's the two seed. Montana State's the one seed. They would 
are going to face either, assuming they get through their first game, they're going to face either Weber or Montana in uh, round two. And they, yeah, they lost to both of them this year. Yep. yep. Um, I think they both split. Which is something to keep in mind. And Weber, yeah, they both split. And then Weber and Montana split. Um, So I think Montana State is the best team in this conference. But am I in a hurry to bet plus 190? No. No. A lot of good offenses here. I think it's going to come down to matchups and a lot of shooting variants. But what do you see when you first look at this bracket? Yeah, I'm with you. Montana State, I think, is the team I trust the most. Um, But it's no bargain at plus 190. I'm with you. It's a tough draw with Weber and Montana lurking in that semi-potential, the potential semi-matchup. Weber's been on a complete tailspin, man. They had that terrible non-con, then they stepped into conference play and then just flipped the light bulb on. They were ho-humming along. They got Dante Bassett, the former uh, Florida transferred. Yeah, he was reinvigorated, playing like his old dominant self, and then just hit this and tough, tough stretch to close. As with Montana as well. So I think both Weaver and Montana is a fascinating first round matchup. I think we see a, a the winner of that game. I think could be that could be like a catalyst to a deep run from either Weaver or Montana. The two teams I think that are just the perennial contenders in this conference. Right, you just talked about it at the, at the onset. It's like usually you go back historically, those are the names you're seeing at the end of the bracket. Um, you know, on Saturday when it's what all the marbles are, are being played for. I, I was kind of looking at the winner of that game and maybe just, you know, who, who wins that matchup. And then I think they get a decent draw with Montana state, even though they're the one seed, I think it's actually a relatively vulnerable run seat compared to Southern Utah and uh, Northern Colorado, the way they're playing lately. Um, so I went back and forth, but you mentioned the injury concerns for Southern Utah too, on the bottom half, that one jumped out at first, but uh, it seems like Marin will play because he had an illness. I think he's the more important of the two. You, you get one of those two dudes back and you feel better about your chances. Um, I think they're a tough matchup for another, for Northern Colorado. So I guess I'd lean Thunderbirds and then maybe one of uh, Weber or Montana, but uh, nothing strong for me here either. I was, again, the prices, this might be one stock where you want to do the money line rollover thing with uh, one of those teams coming on Thursday. Yeah, I think I might. I mean, look, Southern Utah, very, very experienced team, which I think helps in this setting. Um, and so a lot of these teams in this conference have no bench. Like Northern Colorado doesn't have a bench at all. Weber doesn't have a bench. Eastern Washington doesn't have Eastern a bench. Eastern Washington no bench. Yeah, yep. which could yep. come back to bite them. Um, especially like a team like Northern Colorado. That's one of the things that gives me pause with them because Northern Colorado, um, what, they are 334th in bench minutes and they play fast. Um, so maybe legs are an issue. But this is a team that can – shoot the lights out and they're you know they're plus 550 they like i said they swept southern utah and you know they can outscore them they can go in a shootout and then you have some injury concerns for southern utah so i think if you're if you want to target northern colorado maybe a money line rollover doesn't make sense in case southern utah does have some injury concerns but northern colorado they just don't play any defense at all so like it's not a given that they're just gonna get by eastern washington and or northern arizona uh, the winner of that game they'll face. So that's that's kind of what makes it tricky. I think I would want a little bit more, but that's the only one that really stuck out. Montana, I ultimately just don't trust their offense. I know they won't turn it over, but I they just struggle to make shots at times, and they get no offensive rebounds whatsoever. Um, so I I, don't know, I just you know ten to one. You know it's, it was intriguing when I first looked at it, and I said, all right, well this team already beat Montana State. It's their rival. Brandon Whitney's an incredible, incredible on-ball defender if you haven't watched yep. Montana. Um, but I I just don't trust their offense. And so I think for me, it's some of the uncertainty in the bottom half. Uh, 
I think Northern Colorado is the look, if anyone here. Um, yeah, plus 550 to FanDuel, right? Yeah. Yeah, plus 550. Um, and you just hope that they are on because when they're on, they can beat anyone in this conference by outscoring them as they did against Southern Utah twice. Um, and that's what you have to hope. I mean, this is a team that's 10th in the nation in three point shooting at 38.2% and eighth in two point percentage, fourth overall in effective field goal percentage. So the boys from Greeley can score. So uh, I have a flyer. Yeah. I have a flyer here. Um, okay. I, this is what I, I just, for. I, I just refreshed the, the fan. I don't even look through this at first. Northern Arizona is plus 50,000. I mean, I know they were an absolute dumpster fire down the stretch. Don't get me wrong. But you look at that draw in the bottom half where we're just talking about how there's so much uncertainty with some injury concerns. Northern Colorado, Eastern Washington, the two teams that have to potentially beat if this stupid fairy tale comes to fruition. Um, I don't know. It's obviously a complete long shot, but plus 50,000. I mean, my goodness, 10 to win 5K. I think mean, that's probably worth a, just a little bit of a sprinkle now. You've got some pocket change laying around. Well, I'm like you're telling me that they're they're uh, they're they're twice. So Idaho State is plus twenty two thousand, but NAU is plus fifty thousand. Like, look at the draws. You can't tell me Idaho State's a twice as good of a favorite to even get to the semis there. So I don't know, just a weird pricing inconsistency. And they have the best player on the floor occasionally yeah, with Jalen Cohn. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm reaching. I know. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. I mean, they won at Montana. I had Montana to finish out a money line parlay, and they lost in overtime. So they they flashed. You know, they lost, then they lost by two at Montana State. Yeah, they played Montana State close twice. One. Montana, they beat yeah. it right. It's not terrible. I don't so know. they've, they've shown it. some flashes, and then they've had some complete duds, um, of course, as well. But, yeah, I mean, they're a really young team. So, you know, you're going to get some – and they shoot a lot of threes, which is good if you're going to take a, a long shot like this and you have a player like Cone who can go off. I think some of the – they play a lot of freshmen. Um you know, they've, they've started to improve a little bit down the stretch. So I don't hate it. You want a flyer, Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks. Uh, I think that's the way to look. Lock. There. Plus 50,000 lock. Yep. All right. Thanks, Matt, for joining me. Um, enjoy the ACC tournament. Good luck to your Dukies bounce back. Hope everyone enjoyed the info. We have much more info coming. And make sure you check out the guys from the Three Man Weave on Twitter as well. We'll have big bets on campus live throughout March. Uh, But I have another episode coming up here with Jim. We're going to cover four more conferences and another episode tomorrow. We're going to get to, I think, five conferences. Just tons of content all throughout March. We appreciate listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Leave a review. We'll do some giveaways soon. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Appreciate you listening. Good luck in March. Let's get it rolling. Enjoy the madness. Cheers. Cheers.